This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Live from Rock Vox Recording Studios in Rochester, New York, metal maniacs around the globe unite. Prepare for Metal Mayhem ROC. Welcome our hosts, John, the Vernomatic Verno, and Metal Forever Mark. Hello and welcome to another edition of Metal Mayhem ROC. Tonight, we're taking a trip back to 1986. We're going to start by sharing the story of a heavy metal show, which I, the Vernomatic, had a privilege to co-host. Broadcasting live from 90.5 FM WBER in Rochester, New York, Metal Mayhem, as it was called back in the day, blended the best of 70s and 80s metal. My involvement and contribution to this very podcast is directly rooted in the radio version of Metal Mayhem. My co-host for that radio show was also my metal brother. He goes by the name of Cheech. He's one hell of a drummer. And he's going to be joining us from his summer home down in Arizona. We're going to discuss how we met. We're going to tell you the story how we were able to convince the management of an FM radio station to let two 18-year-old metalheads have the keys to the studio for a four-hour metal show on a Friday night. We're going to visit the metal vaults. And Cheech and Vern are going to reminisce about the time they were able to interview Metallica, hang out with them, drive them around Rochester, and have the time of their lives. But first, let's get back to 2020 in the coronavirus uh, shakedown. Say hello to my new present brother in metal, Metal Forever Mark. Hey, Vernon Maddock. It's nice to be back on air, uh, given crazy world circumstances. Cheech, we're excited to talk to you, and uh, I'm sure you guys are still enjoying those royalty checks from the original Metal Mayhem <laughs> ROC back in the day. We are. Cheech, how are you, buddy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm spending it right now. <laughs> good. <laughs> little little Fruit Loops and uh, some milk, right? All good. <laughs> Powdered milk. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so it's like, well, I didn't realize I was replacing such a uh, formidable previous co-host, but uh, hey, I'm doing my best, man, uh, here here in Rochester still. But we're keeping metal, metal alive in 2020 here. Doing a great job. You're doing a great job. So, Vernomatic, we're going to start, uh, we're going to just rattle through a couple things, right? We're going to start with a little bit of just metal news, kind of what some of these bands and artists have been doing during this corona quarantine that we're uh I'll have the great pleasure of being involved with right now. Well, actually, there's not much going on, but new ma- new materials coming out, both uh, audio and reading material, videos, and you have some information about people doing stuff online that seems to be maybe uh, cr- uh, fix cr- uh, fixing that uh, performance, Jones. What do yeah, you got? Yeah, I mean, you know, to your point, I mean, when we're like, okay, well, how are we going to do a metal news segment when there's not a ton of metal news going on? Uh, but I guess, like everything, I mean, you know, there there are stuff, ha- there is things happening, and I guess, like, uh, you know, artists, uh, you know, take to the virtual airways just like, you know, we are during this time. So I noticed, like, you know, for example, Paul Stanley has been uh, 
jamming some stuff from uh, you know one of his little studios, and it's pretty raw. I mean, have you seen any of that stuff yet? Yeah, I have. Um, Metal Mayhem correspondent uh, Kale Jammer from Vegas is sending me clips, as well as me doing my own searches. I saw Paul doing a thing explaining Love Gun, where Love Gun came from, and he, I've seen some clips of he, him doing some uh, some of the songs from Revenge, acoustic style or uh, acapella, and um, th- that's the extent of what I saw from the Paul stuff. Yeah, and I think he said he played a track the other day that uh, they've never played live. Uh, I'm not, I wasn't familiar with the song. What so was the name of it? I, I don't know, uh, but he, he made a comment that, that they never really played it live, and he even made a comment like they would probably never play it live. So, uh, yeah, it might be worth checking out because mm-hmm. you're way more familiar with a lot of the old-school Kiss stuff than I am. But um, I thought that was cool. Uh, Matt, the uh, singer and guitarist from Trivium, he's been taken to um, you know Twitch, which I'm not that familiar with that platform. I think it's more of a gaming video platform, but okay, he's been okay. literally jamming full uh you know, albums. Um, and I noticed Heidi from the Butcher Babies launched her little, uh, I guess it's more of a video cast with her guitarist. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think just like everybody, they're trying to keep, everybody's trying to keep busy, you know? There's a couple of uh, interesting things that maybe uh, you have seen it or Cheech has seen it. Um, musicians are doing Zoom jams. So there was a video of Charlie Benante of Anthrax. Uh, Alex Skolnick of um, Testament and the bass player of uh, Suicidal Tendencies, they were doing um, YYZ by Rush. And then there's another video of uh, Scott Ian, Charlie Benante, and Dan Lilker, formerly of Anthrax, and Stormtroopers of Death doing some Stormtroopers of Death covers. Yeah, March, March I was going to chime in on that. I didn't know if you guys were going to touch upon that, but I was like, yeah. That's I just saw that yesterday. That March uh, uh, of the SOD. Yeah, and it was like wow, that was killer. Well, the killer was- thing about that is Benante lives in Chicago now. Right. Um, Ian lives in California, and Dan Lilker still lives in Rochester. And so, does he really? Yeah, he um, on every the first Tuesday of every month up at the Record Archive, they mm-hmm. have uh, Tuesday uh, Night Metal. And right. there's some uh, rivet head guy that works there. What's his name? Dave? Oh, Mark. You're talking about Mark? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark Ramponi. And he has, yeah, the metal. I think it's, yeah, the metal Tuesdays. Uh, yeah. First Tuesday of every month, they, they do that. And Dan Wilker's band jammed there uh, live a couple of times. Yeah, well, Wilker works there. Yeah, yeah, he works there. He's, but he, his band has jammed in their little back room. And, like, it's heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Like, yeah, so. Raging stuff. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, you know, the, the people are uh, thinking outside, man, way outside the box and, you know, getting their uh, getting their jam on. So, hey, one other quick thing before we wrap Metal News. Just again, there's not tons of it, but the other thing I think some people are interested in hearing is uh, KK Downing's new project, uh, Downing's Priest. I think he's calling it. Uh, yeah, yeah, Cheech, are you familiar with uh, what's going on with that? Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, I, I, it sounds familiar, but I, I don't know what it all entails. Well, KK Downing, you, you, um, yeah, he's, of course, guitarist, priest, he, yeah. Years, yeah. Well, he, you know, he left Priest and blah blah blah. Now he's been itching to possibly rejoin the band as they celebrate their uh, 50 year anniversary. Um, that would be awesome. Well, the band really isn't going for it. So he went ahead and formed his own band with Ripper Owens on vocals, Les Binks, oh, yeah. <laughs> original, Les Binks, original drummers. Yeah. The drummer for the late seventies era. Yeah. Yeah. Les Binks. Wow. 
and uh, I forget who else is in the band, but they were playing shows. And actually, Junior Ellison from uh, Megadeth was playing this fall for them. Well, they <laughs> have formed a band and releasing material soon, and they're not shy about it. Yeah. You know, if you really, well, if you're keeping score, you know how many how many guys are or how many original guys are in Priest. Mm. You know, uh, Ian Hill's only original. Halford yep. actually left the band for ten or eleven years. Right. Um, Richie Faulkner, who replaced KK Downing, basically, um, you know, saved the band. And right. uh, Scott uh, Tra- Scott Travis has been with them since the late '80s or mid '80s right. or whatever. So, yeah. But uh, to answer what uh, Mark's talking about, I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that would be cool. It's funny. I saw something else just real quick is uh, and it's amazing what people have time to do these days, I suppose. But I saw some guy went all the way back to like uh, rock and roll a priest and just started splicing different solos, KK solos versus Glenn solos, taking it really all the way up until KK left the band and just kind of compare contrast, like, you know, who's the better guitarist, soloist kind of thing. And it was was actually kind of cool. It's like a 15, 16-minute video. Mm. So if you get a chance, check that out on YouTube as well. sure you can track it down. So, uh, you know, that's it for the metal news, right? I mean, uh, hopefully (laughs) there's always going to be some kind of metal news. So, uh, yeah. Well, um, seeing that we got Cheech um, all warmed up, lubed up. um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh boy! Uh, why hey, don't you're we... lucky. You're a uh, different state, man. Yeah. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we visit Metal Mayhem, the metal show from the '80s? And I'm gonna give the microphone over to Cheech and let him give me uh, his interpretation of how it all started. Well, uh, it started with a vocational class, actually, <laughs> that uh, I went to a, a high school in uh, West Henrietta, Roth High School. And they offered a, a vocational class in, in TV and radio occupations. So, uh, but it wasn't given at Roth because, you know, small school. Uh, so we had to go to the, the slightly bigger school, which was down the street. It was Sperry uh, High School. Sperry High School had, you know, much bigger uh, facility and all that. And uh, they housed a small radio station. And I, I can't remember, Verno might be able to remember, but I don't think they had any, any, TV equipment at all. So I don't know why it was called radio and TV occupations. We basically did radio. Um, anyways, it was a really tiny studio. Uh, the, the wattage, I, I could be corrected, but I think it was like 50 watts, basically mm-hmm. reached about a three mile radius. And, uh, but we were learning to do, uh, uh, you know, right. Be on the radio, how to be a, a jock, how to, how to, you know, do music, how to, you know, uh, uh, do, you know, talk up a, a record and then, and, and, and be able not to step on the opening line of the lyric, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, uh, that's where I met Vernal. Vernal was involved in it as well. Of course he went to school in Penfield. So yeah. it wasn't somebody, it was some, it wasn't somebody I had ever met before other than through class. And so, um, Small class. I think there might have been five people in it. I think the, 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 I, the fun is that about right. There was yeah, five of us, I think. There was about seven or eight, and oh, okay, seven or eight. And, so, and anyways, um, you know, uh, out of those seven or eight people, uh, Verno and I were about the only two that were similar in uh, musical tastes, and uh, you know, uh, just. Uh, outlook on life. <laughs> well, the, the, 
yeah, mannerisms, uh, people we hung out with. <laughs> it was all very similar, except in two different cities in Rochester. So, anyways, we we just started talking and talking about stuff, and and uh, got to know, uh, got to be involved quite a bit in that that class. It um, and it uh, kind of blossomed our friendship because we would basically just talk music every time we got together in the class. I mean, we would learn stuff. Yes. But it, we, we basically spoke. Well, spoke the, about, um, about the metal, most of the time. metal, but the thing with that class was, it was, like I said, there's seven or eight people, but everyone were from different schools. So yes. when yeah. the, the, you know, I came from Penfield and we were all, uh, Cheech was real close by. I don't even know. Uh, did you take a bus over or? Um, I, I think originally I was busing over, but then I wound up driving myself later, you know, yeah. because I had a car. But yeah, originally it was busing over. Well, the, the rest of us, um, they did a loop around the city. They picked Darren Connor up at Aronicoit. They came to okay. Penfield. And Mark, check this out. I used to wait for the little mini bus that picked me up in front of the cafeteria. So, <laughs> yeah. So yes. I had to walk out and so it picked me up and then we shot up East Rochester, picked up Dina Marcosha, and then we oh, Dina. then yeah. we went over to Brighton and picked up uh Keith McGill and then we went to uh Henrietta. So the I'm a metalhead from Penfield. Cheech is a metalhead from Henrietta. Dina was a great girl, but Spacey, she was there just to play <laughs> records. Keith was <laughs> Keith was a, a a slick black kid from Brighton that just wanted to be like smooth move on DKX. Darren mm. was sort of like a pseudo deadhead, and then you had Mike Fleckenstein from uh, Pittsford uh, Menden. Yeah, that, that was a deadhead. So man, you have the best memory ever. Yeah. So all of us I, we, I, we were cast of characters and our freaking misfits. Are you kidding me? It, it was really cool. But Cheech was, and yeah. Cheech and I gravitated to each other. You know, yeah, you could was... you could say yin and yang or this or that. <laughs> but we did have a common bond of metal. And we did, we did. And 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 really we we spoke nothing but music to each other. Really. Yep. We, that's all we did was speak music to each other. And it was it, for me, it was cool because I mean, I had I had friends and and uh, you know even musician friends and stuff like that that I you know grew up with and we we would talk music, but it, it, there was the day to day more so mm -hmm. you know with well, well, where are we going you know after school where are we hanging out hey when we skip this class where are we gonna go you know that kind of Which whereas with me and me and Berno it was just always music. That's, that's all we spoke to each other was music. And it, and it was, it was kind of cool. It was, it made, made, made him a little bit more special than my other friends in the, in the sense that we just understood where each other was going and what we were thinking. And, and we agreed a lot upon a lot of things except for maybe Van Halen, but anyway, okay. other story. <laughs> so uh, wh why don't we touch on how we conceived the metal show and where we started going with this? Cause at the time metallic overdrive over on WGMC was established. It was another uh, non-commercial educational channel in Mark. Right. I don't know if you um, were familiar with metallic overdrive. It, don't, don't remember it that well. No. Well, it so. was, um, it was a show run by um, it was down at WGMC in Greece and some guys that were older than us. 
and uh, they had like the warhead. They had the cranker. They had Gino the general. These Gino guys, general, yeah. These guys were staples. And actually, Bob Thomas, the warhead, he is on the track of Metal Militia when Metallica recorded their first album here. He at the end of Metal Militia, he's one of the stomping feet that you hear the the, the militia stomping. That's funny. So I never uh, knew that. Yeah. So. Um, we grew up listening to that show. And so when 11th grade came and Cheech and I are doing the metal show or um, the radio TV vocational course, we are like, by the spring of 11th grade, it's a two-year program, 11th and 12th, we are like, you know what, man? Why can't we do our own metal show? And so we pitched it to our teacher and our teacher said, listen, you know, if you guys put it together, have a conception um, come with a plan. It's a commitment. It's not just playing music and doing this. And we took it and we ran with it. And we really did. And and, and what's funny is I, I told Verno because Verno, he establishes everything and, and knows it's going to work. Whereas I'm, I'm the, I'm the somewhat skeptic sitting back. Oh, Burns is never going to go for this. He'll never go for it. And mm-hmm. you were like, yeah, no, he will. He will. And and, and, you know, uh, he was a great teacher and, and he really, really saw what we were seeing, you know, what we really wanted to do and, and didn't want to, didn't want to crush our dreams, which yeah. was really kind of cool. He was just like, you know, if you guys put together a formula to plan, then go. So thank God I had Verno with me because I didn't have any plans. <laughs> so, and, so we, and, and Verno put it all in motion. He was like, yeah, no, I got it. I got it. Well, this is what we'll do. This is when we'll do it. So what happened was the year from 11th grade to 12th, the program was moving to Penfield into this uh, new state-of-the-art vocational campus. And it had, yes. uh, the, the channel was going from about maybe a two-mile radius with 50 watts to a three-county region, 2,500 stereo watts. And we, we christened it. We, we were able to, we were the, like I said in the intro, we were given the keys to the studio. We were, yeah, given, we were. We were given a four-hour block on Friday nights to go in there, seniors in high school, and do a live four-hour heavy metal show from 8 o'clock until midnight. Let right. me ask you guys, uh, Mark and Scott, what do you think we did with that opportunity? well needless to say um we produced and i hate to say starred but we we created a state-of-the-art metal show but but the cool part about it was is is um we never lost the three mile radius attitude we were just like me and verna were just like this is who we are this is the music we like we kind of don't care if you don't like it because we do. And, and literally we had call in after call in of, Hey, could you play this? Hey, could you play that? And it wasn't like a, uh, yeah, that's not metal enough for us. It was just like, cool. I think we got that. We dig around for it. We pull it out and we play it, you know? So obviously you guys had a four hour time block. Uh, that meant you guys got to jam a whole crap load of metal while you guys also i'm sure talked in between songs and all that but right around that time my guess is headbangers ball was kind of out 
you know, the you know heavy metal was kind of starting to get a little bit more mainstream, even though I'm sure rock radio didn't play all the great songs. But so, how, tell us the show format within that four hour block. I mean, is it all music, music and banter, a lot more banter than music. What, what how would you describe it? Um, well, we part of the requirement to get the gig was we had to demonstrate to our teacher, our the, the guy in charge of the station, that we had to program the show. It wasn't like we were coming in with records and just, you know, playing whatever. Yeah. Uh, we had to devise a format, which we stuck to. We implemented power blocks. Top of the hour, uh, you know, last 10 minutes of each hour had a power block. We incorporated uh, classic cuts. Cheech was a hell, hell of a guy in the production room editing all kinds of drops. Uh, he had tons of characters, tons of special effects. Okay, uh, well, why don't we take a listen to uh, one of these cuts? Exodus Piranha 90.5 FM WRHR Exodus Piranha 90.5 FM WRHR The Vernomatic with you About three minutes before the hour of nine o'clock It's about time for me to get out of here And just saying before they had Metal Church A hitman, the very very first tune Of the gigs last Sunday at the Penny Arcade And so one more tune And then I'm going to hand it over to Cheech For the next hour to ready to thrash with you And thrill until the wee hours of the morning It's a special dedication Going out to Anthony and the Alfred Connection Where hopefully they're in a car hunt and that's exactly what they want to do but they better have a corpse because King Diamond's coming for you. Merciful Fate 90.5 FM WRHR in the Metal Show So that clip, uh, excuse the, the quality of it, it illustrates where we're, where we're going with this The, the well, it, Go ahead Cheech. Oh I was just saying and like you said there's you know certain stipulations from the uh from the teacher, and he, and he, and uh, I can remember. I, I just recalled it now as you were speaking, as it, as that clip was play, pay, playing. I can, I can recall his words. He's like, "How many times do we use the call letters? Every time. How many times do we use the call letters? Every time." Yeah. So you know, there were certain things, certain uh, techniques that were 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 needed to be. You know, he wanted to make sure that we were learning as well as, you know, having fun and, and, and doing our little metal show. He was like stip stipulating that, you know, you need to be your radio jocks nonetheless, and this is what radio jocks do. So he was like, he, that I can remember him instilling that in us. How many times do you use the call letters? Every time. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mike Burns was our teacher and he worked professionally yeah. radio at uh, WHAM. But um, mm -hmm. to expand on that, the, we, the, the callers would call up, we would dedicate it and then it would spread. Then we, you know, week one, we had this, and then the phones just kept ringing and people were calling up and it was just really a testament what we were putting it, putting it into. And so the show debuted in the fall of 1985. I was a mm -hmm. senior at Penfield. Cheech was a senior at uh, Roth high school. And uh, we would meet in at the studios every Friday night we would bang it out, and that's when our friendship um, uh, really got going, and we ran with the show. But I have to give it up to Cheech because we both had our own talents, and uh, Cheech mentioned a little earlier he wasn't the highest one with confidence. Why? I don't know why, but uh, we both possessed talents that really added elements to the show that really made it a well-rounded um, 
well-rounded broadcast. But I want to play a clip here that Cheech did. And um, Scott, let's roll this. I'm going to let this play. Welcome to another edition of Metal Mayhem on 90.5 FM WRHR. Right off the bat, myself and the Vernomatic would like to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving. And due to the seasonal spirit, we would like to say a very special grace. So let us pray. We give thanks for the turkey and trimmings we all ate yesterday. We'll probably be, probably be eating for the next week and a half or so because there are many people less fortunate than us. We also give thanks for the Metal Church concert last Sunday on the Holy Day. <laughs> well, anyways, we also give thanks for the return of Slayer and especially, and most importantly, Metal. Amen. So you can see that clip illustrates. <laughs> There's a prayer that'll go down for this centuries. Teaches. Uh, wow. Teaches uh, ability and love for uh, in-studio production. And you guys got, you know, the folks got to remember we're 17, 18 year old kids here. And but the the vision, the vision to um, produce a, a metal show that people considered their own. So, so fall yeah. fall of nineteen fall of nineteen eighty five turns into uh, winter of 1986. And the, 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 the show's gaining momentum. And back in the day, there was no internet or anything. So we had to provide our, our, um, our playlist to what they called CMJ, College Music right. Journal. And that was really the only way that uh, bands could uh, and record labels could see where their music was being played. And um, Cheech, you remember that era? Oh, you are. Yeah. I, like I said, you remember everything. I don't remember any of it. Well, I don't remember any, any of it. Well, but, um, cool. So what happened is, uh, the, the show's gaining, uh, the show's getting ranked. It's gaining momentum. And once you're in that position, all the indie labels, they're sending you music because they want your, they want their bands to be played on your show and this and that. And, you know, we're getting, we're getting, uh, albums all the time. But, that I do remember. That I do remember because I had a Slayer album with a with a, with a sticker on it for the longest time. Yeah, because it came straight from the record label. That I do remember. I remember getting the music. I don't remember the other part. <laughs> well, um, so the music is coming, and we're 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 doing what we're doing, and you know, I don't want to say we peaked, but it's just like okay, well, this is what we're doing. We're gaining a little uh, notoriety and. We're, we're in the second half of our senior year, and this, the big thing happens. We get the new Metallica album, and we get it early. And so it was the Master of Puppets album. It was before the album was released. We get a promo copy. and That, that I remember, too. So <laughs> Distinctly. I'm going to send you, you tell the story what you did with that album, Cheech. <laughs> <laughs> The two of us sat, I, if I remember correctly, the two of us sat in the studio and uh, before the show and listened to, to it in its entirety. Am yeah. I wrong? Yeah, no, we did. We did. Yeah. And, and just kept looking at each other, jaws dropped, like, oh, this is the, this is the greatest metal album that's ever been produced. Yeah. I mean, top to bottom, every song was 
the next song you were like, okay, the next song's got to be a little, nope, there it is again. It was like, wow, this is top to bottom, one of the greatest uh, metal albums. And uh, so I can remember Vernal saying, we got to do something about with this or about this. We have to do a certain, a special thing for it, you know, as it releases. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, what do we do? And then that's when, of course, Vernal's wheels start spinning. <laughs> and uh, so you can tell that part of it. <laughs> well, we uh, grandstanded it and we ran with the, um, the world premiere of Master of Puppets in Rochester, yes. New York. And yep. we edited it down and we, we, we debuted it. But right. and people just loved it. And it was just there. I think, you know, I, I don't, you know, it was 36 years ago, but I think we played battery like three times and it was just over the top. And well, and we also had multiple copies of it because they, they, you know, they sent us copies. Of course, we bought copies of our own. So what we did is, you know, because we're, we're not a, a, a station that plays that plays commercials. So we're a non-commercial station. Uh, and in that sense, we can do whatever we want. We basically had both turntables going and we, we dropped one to the next, to the next, to the next. Mm. And a good friend of mine actually recorded it on a cassette. And that was his, that was his copy of master of puppets. He didn't buy the album. He didn't buy anything. He's like, I just want to listen to this cassette because it just goes directly from one into the other and on it went, you know, and, and he just loved that, that it was just nonstop like that. So it was kind of a cool way, I think, uh, to present the album because it was just we didn't stop. And like, like I think you said, we played Battery three times just because it's the one of the greatest ones out that that album. Well, that, sure. that 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 incident springboard, you know, more and more success. And so as we're submitting the playlist, the CMJ, I had the idea when they announced Metallica was going to be opening for Ozzy on the um, spring summer Ozzy tour. I said, you know what? Just for the hell of it, I called up Electra Records Press, and I requested a chance to uh, interview Metallica when they come to town. Now, did Burns have anything to do with nothing, that, or no? Nothing. So, nothing. I okay. th this was a great story. I remember I I called and I left the message. No idea who I left the message with, and this <laughs> was and this was the days before. Uh, uh, answering, oh, oh no, no, before answering machines. And so yeah, I, yeah. I leave a message about a week and a half, two weeks later, I come home from school and written on a piece of paper. And I still have it in the archives was Do a, you really? yeah, it was a note from my mother. It said, John, uh, Jay Brooks, Electra records and a number says, give them a call. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so glad yeah. you said it first because I was about yeah. to. So I called, and he's like, Jay Brooks. I'm like, hi, uh, Mr. Brooks, John Verno, Metal Mayhem, Rochester, New York. He's like, John, thank you for calling me back. Uh, I got your uh, message. Um, looks like you guys are doing something up there in Rochester and giving the album some press and some spins. And um, so he got me into rotation. He's like, let me get you into rotation, see if we could set something up for when the band comes through Rochester in uh, mid-April, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, that sounds great. And so I don't hear from them for a little bit. Well, I tell Cheech and it's like, you know, are you, are you it's like we won the lottery. And <laughs> so uh, 
we didn't say anything. Time goes on. And then finally, you know, about two, three weeks before the show, get a call back from someone else. Tour manager starts lining everything up. And lo and behold, you know, we had a chance to uh, meet up with the band at the hotel and um, interview them. Uh, Scott, do you have that t- that, that uh, bit lined up where us driving around the morning of the show? There we are. What's the date? Uh, April 14th, 1986. The Cheech, the time is uh, quarter to 12. And Verno just stalled his car. Just leaving uh, John's father's establishment, Verno Associates, in its new location because they have a horrible fire destroyed their old location. And they just gave us like mega loads of equipment to uh, work with here because we're going to interview Metallica at around 2 p.m. and we'll talk to you later. Say bye. Bye Bye-bye. So there it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just saying you need to explain the, 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 uh, the tons of equipment thing. (laughs) <laughs> what your dad do and, and all that. And what he you know? did was my father, my late father, Mike Verno, uh, owned Verno Advertising, and he did a lot of, uh, you know, production and stuff. And he had accounts at uh, Longy Audio Video. And so he just said, all right, you two, just go there. They'll hook you up with a uh, uh, tape recorder, a um, couple I don't know what kind of would they give us boom mics or something. I remember they I gave us know. all this equipment and it was yeah. actually, it was actually overload because um, it was just over mic'd. It was so, right. it was so mic'd that when we ended up doing the, the day of the interview, that, that clip you just heard, it was uh Cheech and I driving around before the day of the, the day of the interview, leaving school, um, Drive into Longy Audio in East Rochester, picking up the equipment. We stopped by what car, Verno? Tell, uh, tell uh, them what uh, you were driving. The uh, Delta 88 81 roll or olds, Delta 88. Yes. That yes. Was, yeah, it was a pimp wagon. The beast. So, the beast. So we get the equipment. We stop by my buddy Smitty's house. He gives me a poster to sign and um, pick it up from there. Cheech, what do you remember? I remember when we, we went to, we were, you know, of course we're anxious, anxious as hell. So we're early, we're 15, 20 minutes early. And I think they were 20, 30 minutes late. So yeah. <laughs> I can remember sitting in front of the hotel going, they're not coming. They, they, they you know, I, I got all this scenario going through my head. Yeah. They told us this, this hotel, but they're going to a different hotel. We've been, yeah. they're, they're screwing us, you know? Because I mean, you're you're continually thinking this is Metallica. They're, they're, this isn't yeah. really actually happening. Sure enough, big old big old tour bus pulls up and they roll out, and it was like, wow, okay. Well, they they <laughs> they, they drove in from Syracuse. They played Syracuse the night before. Right, right. And but as soon as that tour bus came in, I can remember. Bruno's was like, they're here, they're here. It's it's happening. This is happening. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah, it was. Uh, pretty surreal i mean in in a sense it, it's funny that we're doing this because it's it's thoughts and memories that i haven't brought to the surface in in years and years but mm-hmm. when you do it becomes vivid and and real and like it happened yesterday it's 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 kind of weird <laughs> well yeah well this tuesday the 14th will be uh 36 years ago 36 yeah, or, yeah well it was uh, october 14th 1986 uh, it 
86, right? Yeah, yeah 86. Yeah. So the band gets off the bus. They come walking in. And I remember James Hetfield comes walking in and looks like hell. You know, this, these guys are 22, 23 years old. And, and he's got a just to, uh, I'm sorry. Just to let you know, Hetfield, you know, you always see him on stages in that crouch position. It's for a reason. He's a freaking monster. Yeah. He's, he's huge. He's huge. <laughs> he comes walking in. He has a hat on backwards or a bandana. Book bags. Yeah, I think a bandana. Book bags sloped around his shoulder and walks right by him. Like, hey, James. You know, he's just whatever. Cliff, <laughs> Cliff comes walking in. But we did the interview with uh, Lars and Kirk in the uh, in the in the lounge, yeah. and. Uh, about a 35-minute uh, interview, and we went over some stuff, and it was pretty straightforward. If you ever heard yeah. an interview with Lars Ulrich, it's pretty much uh, the same thing every time. You know, well, well-spoken man, but, um, you know, he's full of shit yeah. back then as much as he is now. <laughs> right. um, uh, well, Cheech, you have a, you have a uh, metal confession. You had a uh, – tell us your metal confession story. Oh, so, so the metal confession story is – we like like Verno said, I'll come walking in, handshakes. Well, except for Hetfield or Burton, either one of us, either one of them just walked right past us. But uh, Lars Kurt gave us handshakes, said we're going to the lounge, we're gonna talk in the lounge. Everybody else is going upstairs. All right, Verno, I turned to Verno. Verno, I gotta take a piss. <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom. He's like, cool. I'll go in there. I'll get everything. I'll get the equipment set up. I'll get it all settled in and you come in, you know, when you're done. So I go into the, uh, you know, the down, the, the, whatever, the, lo the lobby, uh, restroom, go into the restroom, go up to the urinal, start to go. Somebody comes up next to me, not really paying attention. Cause I don't do that. But you know, after a couple seconds, I look over, it's Cliff Burton <laughs> taking a piss right next to me. I'm like, wow. I go, so I'm thinking to myself, do I say something now? No, you know, or do I wait? Yeah. So I waited. We go up, washing hands next to each other. I'm like Cliff, I don't, I don't even know what to say. And he's like, "What?" And I go, hey, "You're, you I think I, I think I quoted, which is terrible to say, but I think I quoted, "You're a metal god." And he just like, he did one of those, and then he goes, "Hey man, good to see you." Shook my hand, walked out. I was like, I was Cliff Burton. And now, especially now, looking back, you know, I met Cliff Burton. I talked face face to face. Yeah. And uh, which is which is really surreal now, you know. He's been gone what twenty some odd years? Well, he died, um, he was killed that September, so it'll be that September, okay. 36 so thirty years. some odd yeah. years. So but, um, so essentially, um we go and do the interview. Um Unfortunately, we can't play any of the clips because it sounds like ass. But um, <laughs> that sucks. So, but the, the the best part of all this is, and this is uh, you know, it's, it's well worth the wait. Um, so we do the interview, and at the end, Kirk Hammett's a huge comic book fan, and he says to us, "Hey, you got either? You guys got a car?" We're like, "Yeah, you know, we had the Delta eighty eight Royale." He's like, "You want to go up to Nikki's News because they recorded the first album here three years earlier, and." he knew where the comic book store was and Nikki's news is right next door to the house of guitars. Well, it was at the time. So no shit me, 
Cheech Carbone and uh, Kirk Hammett getting my 81 Royale. Get in there. He's in the front seat. Cheech is in the back. Got sunroofs open. And we drove to Nikki's News, hung out. Um, we leave there. We go over to the House of Guitars. Uh, um, James and Cliff were doing an in-store. I run into my buddy Ogre, who was there. Who knows how, why. Al Cavallero, by the way. And um, we shoot the shit. We spend the afternoon with them. And we bring Lar or Kirk back to the War Memorial and dropped him off at the back door. And that was the last we ever heard or saw of him. <laughs> and this is a true story. Yeah. True story. Went to the comic book store. We were, me and Bernal looked at each other like, what the? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so And he literally spent more time in the comic book store than he did in the house of guitars, a guitarist. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I've heard of it. We're like house of guitars, you know, big, biggest, you know, world's biggest guitar store. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. <laughs> he didn't care. Well, that, that, that one incident. Um, yeah. Mark got a question. So I got, um, just listening to you guys reminisce a little bit. It's pretty cool. And, uh, I've got a long ass Metallica story. We'll tell it a different time, but, um, my question, uh, two questions, I guess. So back when you guys first mentioned you played uh, Master of Puppets and, you know, that album's heavy as all hell and even though Ride of Lightning was pretty heavy. But, I mean, what state of fame were Metallica in at that point? Were they still in the their break-in and getting well-known? Or by that point, everybody kind of knew how they who they were? And I guess the same question goes to when you kind of went to go interview those guys. Like, um, you know, it sounds to me like they'd make it made it through just being like an unknown band at that point. Cause I, I wasn't exactly sure when master came out exactly where they were in like the height of their fame. Oh, they were, um, they were going, they were elevating very, very quickly. The, at the time of the interview, Lars mentions in the interview, uh, the master of puppets album had already sold 400,000 copies yeah. and they were, uh, they were the hot buzz. And, and was that more than Ride the Lightning at that point? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it was, um, it was, they were huge. It was, um, put it this way fast forward six months later, Cheech and I ended up going away to school together in Toronto for recording arts. And we lived in downtown Toronto and we went and saw Metallica headline Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah. True story, yeah. So, so by the time and, you interviewed them, they were they were big badass rock stars. Yeah, basically, they, they <laughs> were at that point. Well, back in those days, you know, bands they elevated um, by levels. You know, first album you gain this, second album you get a better tour, and by third album, and they were just they were going, they were on their way, and they were they were the hottest band around. And the one of the questions Kirk or um, Cheech actually asked Lars was. Um, Basically, when when you develop your um, the the way you're developing your career, are you um, worried that it's taking too long, or are you uh, happy with the pace he's going? And Lars just quickly asked. He said, "No, we we want to build this. We're here for the long haul." Fast forward thirty six years, and they're the biggest metal band in the world. So, right. so, and you had a second question. Well, and and also just to answer your question, uh, or to tell you. Um, Master of Puppets, like like you said, was getting huge at that time, and it and it's funny because a, a, it seems like a lot of Metallica fans at that time knew Ride the Lightning, and then they knew Master. They had no idea about Kill 'Em All. You bring up Kill 'Em All, and they'd be like, "Huh?" And you're like, "No, the first album, Kill 'Em All." 
Oh, Ride the Lightning's the first album, is it? No. Yeah. They just kill them all. So, so that build went really quickly from because a lot of people didn't understand. They they went from Ride the Lightning to Master of Puppets. They didn't even know about Kill 'Em All. So, so that that expanse was so short and so quickly ridden from from one to the other. It was yeah. They were they were reaching, you know, star like proportions quickly yeah. <laughs> now did they uh reminisce at all about um you know back to recording kill them all and being here in rochester like do they kind of liken their roots a little bit to this to, to rochester new york or where did they not really just talk about that all that much i'll i'll answer that because i spent three days dissecting a muddy tape yeah they said <laughs> they, they said that uh it feels like a second home they spent three and a half weeks here and they they made some friends uh, the guys from uh, Metallica or um, Metallica Overdrive, they uh, made friends with Ron and Jackie Stein over at Lakeshore Records. So they they enjoyed their stay in Rochester, and they you know they're from the West Coast, so they um, they they considered it quote a second home, or as uh, Kirk said in the interview, our fourteenth home. But they 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 spent their uh, three almost three weeks here. So, so that's the Metallica story. It's, um, two 18 year old kids that in my eyes, um, for the first time, at least in my academic career, really put forth the effort and the returns has springboard me through, um, throughout my life. You know, um, I've since developed a business and some of those things that I learned back then have propelled me in my day-to-day life, raising children and like I said in the opening, it goes back to 30 years later when Mark and I are starting this podcast, it goes all the way back to then. So um, it's just our makeup. And, you know, I, it was a lot of years that I haven't met, uh, kept up with Cheech and it gives us a chance to reconnect and reflect on the, the time we had together. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and like, like I said, it, it, you know, thinking about it, talking about it, brings it back vividly like you know things i haven't thought about or or reminisced about in 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 forever so i'm i'm thankful that you reached out that we have this opportunity to do this because because of that because they were you know things that will never be forgotten you know at least in my in my mind you know uh it's uh it was a it was a a pretty special time you know that two 18 year olds had (laughs) together that you know as uh Seems larger than life. Yeah, and you know that shit wouldn't happen now. But we oh, got, hell no, no, hell no. But we got to we got to wrap this up. But we want to do um, we do a segment called um, Mount Rushmore. Many have tried, most have failed, only a few survived. This is the Mount Rushmore of metal. So what we do here is we ask our guests, our friends, anyone we have on the show to give us their Mount Rushmore, their top four of something metal. So I presented this question to Cheech a little earlier and I don't know what he's going to give as a list, but, um, what do you got? Well, uh, of course I thought it through. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I, I hate to be mainstream or mainline. I, I don't know how to say it. I don't, I, I hate to be predictable. Uh, but it, it is, 
for me actually straightforward and it, and it is actually how I feel, you know, cause I thought it through and I'm like, Oh, you know, this and this and this, but, um, priest as you know, throughout the years is definitely Judas priest has been, been just something that from, you know, British steel to, to them reinventing themselves. I, I feel this is my, my statement, not, not anybody else's, but I feel they, you know, with, uh, uh, with painkiller was just it they reinvented themselves it was like it just painkiller is an album that was like wow okay priest is back you know um so judas priest definitely would have to be part of my mount rushmore um maiden maiden was just a for me iron maiden was it just one of those one of those bands again that kind of evolved, made some changes here and there. Um, and I never think for necessarily the worst, but just to just to stay current, maybe I wanna say, to stay true while staying true to themselves. And um, if you ever seen them live too, that's just, that's just a whole nother. Yeah, business. we saw them last summer. Oh, incredible. Yeah. But um, so, so uh, Iron Maiden would be there, Judas Priest. That's two, right? Of yep. the four. Um, <laughs> Sabotage. I, I, I make no excuses, <laughs> even though I think later, their later years, uh, at, you know, shortly after uh, Gutter, ba Gutter Ballet and that, mm -hmm. even Gutter Ballet a little bit. But uh, the first three, you know, Power of the Night, um, sirens uh, dungeons are calling sirens yeah. just to me just stellar stellar stuff it also helps that i got to meet them in in the upper room in back streets and spend about an hour and a half just talking to the entire band that's yeah, always cool real, realizing killer killer people just the the coolest guys mm -hmm. you know and of course now chris is no longer with us yeah yeah getting a chance to and, and and looking back at that knowing hey i met I met Chris Olivia and he's no longer here. So that was pretty cool. And, 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 and just Dr. Kill drums. And, and I would actually, you know, uh, mimic some of his fills and stuff like that, just cause I thought he, he had stellar presence where he would, he would uh, perfectly fit a pill, fit a fill in just before, you know, the vocals would come in with a good scream or something like that. And it just, it just made the music to me. Awesome. So I'd have to put sabotage there. So that's my three. My fourth. Um, ah, I I I, ah, I gotta go Queensrÿche. I, I just have to. Queensrÿche has got a special place in my heart too. Um, uh, the tour that they did, the entire Operation Mindcrime album, the entire Operation Mindcrime album. Yeah. Start the, to finish. The Empire tour. Yeah, an Empire tour, right? And I went to that uh, tour. It was actually on my birthday. It was June the seventh <laughs> at the War Memorial, and uh, I don't know. That just it sticks out to me. And, and yeah, again, Scott Rockenfield, killer drummer. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, you you, uh, you can't touch the vocals of Jeff Tate. You just can't. No. I mean. Uh, as far as I can see in metal, I mean, there's some people have come close or some people have been, you know, of course, Rob is 
incredible vocalist, metal wise. But Jeff Tate just, I, I think he stands alone. He still stands alone. I've seen some of the clips yeah. of, you know, his mind crime thing. And he's still, you know, although he's, you know, 40 pounds heavier and, well, yeah. <laughs> and of course, and of course older, but he can, he still kills it. So, all right. So well, that's, that's my Mount Rushmore. Hey, you know? hey Cheech, uh, fast forward to uh, 2020. Um, and I know we talked uh, like pre-show a little bit about like the new Testament, for example, and we're saying how much it was kicking ass. And so what are you kind of listening to right now? What's in your uh, streaming for vengeance as uh Vernon Mac and I call it, what do you, <laughs> what, what's in your uh, Spotify playlist at the moment? Okay, well, I like I told Verno before, I'm like all over the place. I'll listen to anything. I I, I have all kinds of genres that I'll that I'll bring in. Um, but as as huh, that's a that that's a tough question. This is a metal show, don't forget. So metal, <laughs> metal. <laughs> yeah, right. I know metal. Uh, ah. Yeah, I listen to old stuff. I'm an oldie. I am a I'm a I'm an oldie. I so I'm going to give you a couple quick recommendations. So uh, you need to check out this band called Wolf. They have a brand new CD out. You mentioned um, Iron Maiden. You're going to hear yes. a lot of influences there. Okay. It's called Feeding the Machine. Um, John and I talked about this band. Uh, there's a band called Dust Bolt. I got a good friend who lives out west, too, that uh, he always gives me new like metal bands, European mostly. But um, right. they're pretty cool. Uh, Primal Fear is getting ready to come out with a new one. So I'm just throwing a few at you. Uh, Havoc's another one that I guess has a new release. I'm not a huge fan of them. Oh, and there's also another band called Stryker from uh, Canada. Okay, now Stryker I've heard of. Yeah, really cool stuff. Okay, that that I am familiar with. But, you know, one of my pet peeves, not to get too off topic, because I know we're getting to the tail end of the show here. Beat me. Yeah, I don't know, man. They're cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jeff Tate in Queensryche, and you mentioned Dickinson and Iron Maiden and Halford and, and Priest, but one of my little uh, frustrations with all these new young bands, and, and I love, like, I love like uh, Children of Bottom, and I love Butcher Babies and the screaming vocals and all that, mm-hmm. but at this, and Arch Enemy, but, like, where's, like, the metal singer with the range, you know, like, like a Jeff Tate or Rob Halford? I mean, it seems like they're kind of far and few between these days. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's too bad because, um, I, just because being a musician, you, you hear that range and you go, okay, that guy's got it. You know, where, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say anybody can scream out lyrics, but when you, when you hear that range, it's like, like as a musician, you, you see them using their voice as a musical instrument to me, that's what I get out of it more. If they have a range, if they if they can get high and then get back low, or or you know uh, you know push up to that high note, you know from from this place, it, to me is like okay, they're they're using their voice as an instrument, you know, as opposed to just belting it out, you know, which is it's just good too. It's fine too, but it, it you get that, you know, I don't know, you get that musicianship that. And I, and I don't think we see it much anymore. Like you said, I don't, I don't, I don't think we see it as much anymore. And it's, it's too bad because to me, that's, I think why I gravitate towards a lot of the bands that I mentioned, like in my, in my Rushmore, even though I'm a drummer and I listen to, a, you know, <laughs> drum tracks stick in my head over everything. Most of the time, I still, that vocal means a lot to me and it, and it, and it 
it, it enhances the music or, or it doesn't. <laughs> and for me, the bands that I mentioned, the, the, the voice is definitely enhanced in, in all of it. I, I feel enhances yeah. the music and makes it what it is. No, you're right. And there is no wrong answer. So, but that, yeah. but that being said, uh, we got to wrap this up. Uh, Scott yeah. has a 1030 curfew has to get home. Just to get up, or get up early. But listen, we want to thank you for um, uh, taking the time to join us tonight. And it's been great catching up. And when this Corona's over, I got like two buddies in uh, Arizona and a real good friend in Vegas. So I think the Vernomatic's going to pack some bags and go out west soon enough. And that, that would be awesome, man. You're always welcome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anytime you uh, thank you for having me and. Anytime you want to have me back, just let me know. We will. Take care. Yeah, and Cheech, real quick, just from my end, man, it was, you know, Vertimatic's been talking a lot about you, and I know it takes all the way back to the roots of Metal Mayhem ROC, and it was just great hearing some of those old school stories and you guys breaking Metallica in some ways. And so uh, I really uh, enjoyed that as well from a, I guess, from a fan perspective as well. <laughs> well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate all that you're doing with uh, keeping this guy in check a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. We're having fun, man. That's all it counts. <laughs> all right, Cheech. Take care, buddy. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website, metalmayhemroc.com or metalforever.com for more information on upcoming concerts, interviews, archives, and more. Please rate and review the show wherever you get podcasts. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.